We really appreciate having you on um, and sort of this run of interviews with the mayoral candidates that I'm doing. Um, so I'm really excited to get to hear a little bit more about your platform and what it means to students specifically. But why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself to get started and why you chose to run? Sure. So I just want to start off by thanking you, Marley, uh, your SU, your advocacy, all of your board has done an exceptional job. And Thank you. In my time as a city councillor, a lot of uh, people come to the table with challenges, opportunities, but I've really well respected your group and how you've come to the table with solutions, whether it's a transit, uh, housing affordability, all the rest. So I just want to give a shout out to your team and the fact that you come so prepared. And it's very hard to say no because you've done all the work in advance. <laughs> Thank you so much. That's really great to hear. Yeah. So for me, I'm a born and raised Calgarian. I grew up in East Calgary and Dover. My father, he came as a refugee from communist Hungary. Could have gone anywhere in the world, but chose to come to Canada, to Alberta, to Calgary. And for me, I'm one of the first in my family to have the privilege of finishing university right here from the, the U of C. And very grateful for the opportunities that the city has given me. So I would say, generally speaking, I'm fiscally conservative, socially very live and let live. I'm one of the youngest city councillors ever elected, yep. uh, one of the, the first openly LGBTQ city councillor. So it's really been my good fortune to, to build serve a city where stories like mine, they're, they're, they're a rule, not the exception. Yeah, well, that's great to hear. And yeah, I've been able to follow your time on council and to work with you as a city councillor. So it's been great to have that opportunity and to see it now transition into your campaign for mayor. Um, what would you say, since you've had that time on council, is your biggest accomplishment or sort of your greatest success during your time as Ward 11 councillor? So I think of uh, three things come to mind. Uh, firstly, being a co-sponsor to our community action on mental health and addiction strategy. This is a, a nation-leading strategy that we have here right in Calgary. It's good uh, to be able to save taxpayers' money, but also making sure that uh, we can address some of the root causes mm -hmm. of crime, social disorder, all the rest. And it's very good to see the city of Calgary taking such a leading approach. When it comes to my ward, I'm very pleased to have been able to advocate for things like uh, responsible flood mitigation to mm -hmm. be able to protect our Elbow River communities or downtown in the event of another flood. And then probably lastly, what comes to mind is being involved on behalf of Calgarians to provide for more transparency and giving a voice through the whole Olympic bid process. Yeah. I think in hindsight, we really dodged a bullet there. And it was good to be able to ensure that Calgarians got that right to vote on, on such a, a massive project. Yeah, well, thanks for sharing that sort of history. And I, I remember when a lot of those projects happened and great to sort of follow that and now see sort of the outcomes and, and where we've come since then. Um, so just to get into it and start off with something very timely, um, coming from the council meeting yesterday, if our listeners haven't heard yet, the city council approved a citywide vaccine passport to help clear up some of the confusion from the provincial restriction exemption program. Um, the city's version makes it mandatory for businesses and facilities within that scope of the provincial program. Um, and this comes into effect today. Um, the vote passed 13 to 1. Your vote was the only one of opposition. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that and why? So I'm double vaccinated. I strongly encourage others to. But healthcare is a provincial area of responsibility. Mm. And I know that uh, a lot of people, myself included, wanted to see how the city could get involved to be able to help clean up the mess that the province has made. But in, unfortunately, I think uh, by having another layer of bureaucracy, another city vaccine passport, it really just for, uh, serves to further muddy the waters. It's very challenging right now for businesses to navigate uh, often contradictory orders. And I think that the role of city government should be on our city issues, things like housing affordability, 
things like transit, uh, support for essential services. So again, I just want to make very clear my strong support for businesses to be able to use that provincial vaccine passport. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's an area of jurisdiction, and I believe that the city was well-intentioned, but has unfortunately further confused some of the issues surrounding that. Yeah, it is definitely confusing. I know students are hearing things from all angles, where the provincial government saying one thing, city, and our own institution saying uh, others. So, I mean, with 13 of your other councils voting in favour, and many provinces and cities already, you know, leading the charge of vaccine passports... Why wouldn't we want to follow suit and, you know, make sure the vaccine rates keep in check, the case rates um, in that sense, and public health being a number one priority for our city council? I think absolutely. I, I support efforts to get more people vaccinated, to do, do that outreach, to be able to combat mm-hmm. vaccine hesitancy. At the end of the day, I believe that the city's role is on making things easier for residents, for businesses. And given such a complicated system, I think our focus should be on making that easier rather than harder. So I think about things that we can be doing within our own area of jurisdiction, things around housing affordability, making sure that transit is available to more people, making it easier for you to be able to to start a business, uh, being responsible with the money that we're spending within our own operating budget. We have a lot going on within city jurisdiction. And... Uh, one thing I'll just mention is no other city has its own vaccine passport system overlaid a provincial uh, mm. structure. So in many ways, uh, I believe that this is needlessly confusing the issue. A lot of people are looking for clarity. And to be clear, uh, a lot of people are urging for, for the city to take action to be able to clean up the, the mess and the problems mm. that the province has caused. But unfortunately, I believe that city involvement in the way that uh, they did just serves to further compound some of the issues. Yeah, so about that confusion and the ease that you were talking about, and I, yeah, I think it needs to be more clear and easy to follow a structure. Um, and students are really having that structure, like I mentioned, from three different places. Um, we're back studying on campus in person, mostly, and, uh, you know, the institution is requiring proof of vaccination how are students supposed to tackle, you know, potential mixed messages from the province, the city and the institution if there was sort of that one unified message, I think, from the city, um, at least encouraging the province to do so? It would make that confusion and that easiness that you were talking about a lot easier. And to go along with that, you know, students wanting to feel safe when they study on campus, but also when they go to work at their part or full time jobs at restaurants or other facilities like that as well. And what would you sort of speak to in terms of that easiness for students specifically? Uh, as far as what the city's role should be, I think we we got to focus on responsible spending. We need to be able to address some of the issues, say, out-migration, why more and more young Calgarians are choosing elsewhere for opportunity. I think that we can do a lot in terms of partnering with our educational institutions to be able to say, for example, uh, I was working closely with Mayor Nenshi to be able to restore the, the City of Calgary Summer Student Hiring Program to ensure that uh, university students had the opportunity to be able to receive that mentorship in uh, technical areas, uh, uh, very other fields, so that they can get their start. I think support for a downtown campus, uh, that infrastructure is really key. And I think as far as the city's role, I think we can be championing, say, the arts and uh, creative industries as, mm-hmm. uh, as a need to have and not just a nice to have. So when we think about film, television, all these other sectors, there's a lot of areas within our own jurisdiction that I think that we can focus on and deliver on. But to be clear, at the end of the day, these health decisions are, are made by the health authority at the provincial level. And the city has very limited legal ability to be able to override Uh, what's decided at uh, higher levels. Mm -hmm. And I think for students, part of that confusion is is not knowing that division and where the jurisdiction lies. So looking to, you know, their institution and also the city to be leaders in, 
you know, this health crisis that we're in um, and not seeing action might, you know, have the reverse effect. Um, and one thing, you know, that's at the front of mind for students is, like I said, feeling safe on their campus and in their city. Um, what would be second in, in their minds, and I think I've seen this as a student leader, is how involved students are and how they want their voice to be heard. Um, and one of, you know, the most prominent ways to do that upcoming in the election is the Vote Anywhere program. And students having an opportunity to vote on their campus Mm -hmm. where they're studying and spending most of their days. Um, And we did see this come to council as a recommendation to implement Vote Anywhere on uh, City Council or at City Hall, pardon me, and at post-secondary campuses across the the city. Um, You were one of two councillors to vote against this motion as well. So do you want to walk us through that and why? Sure. So for for me, as one of the the youngest city councillors ever elected, I I believe strongly in the youth component, engaging anybody and everybody. But you have to look at the the legal separation of powers. When you have politicians getting more and more involved in terms of how an election is run, Mm -hmm. how the maybe the board boundaries are gerrymandered, I believe that that's a big issue. So what I'm advocating is for independent citizen oversight for how these elections are run so that it's not the politicians themselves who have a vested interest in saying, well, there should be a polling station here where my supporters are and there should Mm. be a polling station elsewhere where the the opponent's uh, supporters are. (laughs) So what what my motion was or what my intent there was to say, okay, the returning officer, the the chief uh, city official who is in charge of the election, she needs absolute independence and authority to Mm -hmm. be able to make those determinations. So she decided to be able to implement that on campus and I believe that's a great decision. I believe that that's fantastic. But for me, I feel very strongly as an elected official, I have such a conflict of interest where I believe that those decisions in terms of where the polling station should be, who can vote, where and how, uh, how the ward boundaries are decided, that needs to be completely separate from those politicians who stand to gain or lose the most. Right. And I agree with that division of power where it's city council and it's separate um, from elections Calgary. And I think that was a lot of sort of the issues that we faced um, when trying to find out why we weren't going to have vote anywhere or we aren't having vote anywhere in its full capacity for this election. Um, and it was it was a really scary time over the summer months mm-hmm. when we found out this wasn't happening. Um, and it was really putting the student voice at risk. So a lot of what I've been doing for the past couple of months with my student leaders at uh, the Calgary Student Alliance was advocating to bring it back um, directly with Elections Calgary, but also with current city councillors and um, uh, candidates in this election mm-hmm. and having those united voices really sent a very strong message to Elections Calgary that this voice can't be muted in any way and students deserve all of the opportunity to have a chance to vote. So I guess I appreciating the separation from Elections Calgary, where or at what point do you step in when a whole demographic is and their voice is at risk? I think it comes to the funding. I think uh, for me, I'm advocating for the independence of the the returning officer, but also to make sure that she has the funds required to make sure that the election is run fairly, that as many polling stations are open as possible. So it's, again, ensuring that she has the resources she needs to be able to execute Mm -hmm. on a, a properly run election, but also the independence so that she can oversee that without, say, politicians leaning in and meddling. We've seen in American style politics, politicians leaning in so heavily in terms of how the elections are run. I think that it's a very dangerous direction for us to go as a city or a province or a country. So I really have to strongly say, 
the returning officer needs the independence to be able to make those decisions uh, for herself rather than the politicians getting so involved to try to pick and choose. Uh, in the past, like say with these closed-door meetings, city councils decided for themselves their ward boundaries. And I believe that that's just completely fundamentally wrong in terms of the gerrymandering approach. I think that there mm-hmm. needs to be independence and it needs to be the citizens themselves to have the certainty that the elections are run, being run fairly and not with uh, a certain angle for political gain to benefit certain politicians. Yeah, and, and going back to that funding piece that you were talking about, about giving you know the chief returning officer everything that he or she needs to do their job. Um, when I spoke with the CRO of Elections Calgary, the vote anywhere issue and those polling stations wasn't a matter of funding. Um, it was a lot of complications around COVID-19, just the sheer number of candidates that we're seeing and some ballot logistics. So I guess for, you know, as a potential mayor, um, what does that message send to students to not step in at that point or not show or have a voice of support? And as a student leader, how do we make sure that in four years that isn't at risk again? I'd like to see an independent commission struck. In the previous uh, years, there'd be independent uh, oversight where you'd have a panel of citizens who would actually have the authority to be able to direct, make recommendations to the returning officer. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't actually the the politicians themselves picking and choosing the rules for the election. I like that approach where you could, maybe you could enshrine uh, certain interests. Uh, You could have the the youth component. You could have uh, other members of the public involved in that. And it's a similar model we have right now with the police commission. So many people don't want uh, the politicians, say, directing law enforcement against or not against uh, certain people. Mm -hmm. So right now we have that civilian oversight where it's not uh, the city councillors themselves deciding uh, those decisions, but you have members of the community who uh, serve that needed uh, oversight function. So that's what I'd like to be able to see as an independent commission, where it's citizens themselves deciding, say, the ward boundaries, uh, deciding the rules for the election, so that it's not themselves, the politicians, who have the, the vested interest in the outcomes making those calls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that, I, I agree with that sort of approach, and for vote anywhere and for, you know, the vaccine passports or anything where it's one step removed from city council. What I've seen as a student leader um, that works is public pressure. And a lot of that comes from leadership as a mayor or as a city councillor. So where do you draw the line in these issues specifically when you're hearing from your constituents as a city councillor or as mayor where this is happening, but there's, you know, some arm branch that is preventing you from stepping in and doing that? Where does that line exist for you and how do you work around that to make sure we're getting the results that we need um, and are looking for without sort of risking any of that? I think this uh, this election is about change versus more of the same. And I'm running for a strong mandate for real change. And what we've seen is city council's back closed-door approach. It's it's failed us on things like the Olympic bid. It's failed us on the arena deal. And I'm strongly running to give Calgarians a voice in terms of how these decisions are being made and to be able to give them more practical influence. I think one of the, reasons, the ways that we're going to keep our young people in this community is by giving them uh, stakes and giving them the influence that they need to be able to uh, have not just buy-in, but also responsibility over these decisions that are being made. So a lot of decisions, just speaking as a early 30s person, a lot of decisions about me are being made without me. And I believe mm. that we need to give the, the public, we need to give youth, we need to give everybody more opportunities to be able to influence, not just say our elections, everything else in, in a meaningful way. 
Yeah, and sort of your, I guess, experience on council is shaping that perspective and, and the experience that you had in those conversations or behind those closed doors helps to, you know, give you that uh, that platform as to what your leadership as mayor would be. So I guess how specifically has your time on council shaped that leadership style? And, you know, for those who have followed you in your term, how would your leadership as mayor reflect your term as Ward 11 councillor? So I think back to one of the, the first uh, conversations I had with one of my colleagues when I was first elected. They had come by my office and uh, reviewed my city webs or rather my campaign website mm-hmm. and looked through the promises that I made. Uh, they put into three buckets, the promises I made that were impossible, the things that would be hard to do, and then the things that I could do probably in my first term. And okay. I asked the question, well, what's impossible? And one commitment I made was to, say, turn down the city council golden pension. But I believe very strongly in leading by example. Mm-hmm. I turned down the pension as a way to follow through on my promises, and to I believe that that should be changed going forward. But I think I offer something that uh, the other candidates don't which is that credibility, a proven record of actually following through on the things that I said I'll do. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to be very ambitious with that. Uh, When I was first elected, I made a promise to invite uh, all 110,000 of my residents into a room with me in a community (laughs) center and to give them the microphone. And I did that every single month and hosted 50 such town hall meetings. And that's something I'm hoping to do if I'm elected mayor, to continue to be accessible, to continue to be available on a monthly basis like that, not just Mm -hmm. in the city council meetings or in the chambers, but out in the community from corner to corner to corner to corner of the city uh, to listen, learn. And I'm never the smartest person in the room. So I think the one thing, the biggest thing that I've learned is all the ideas, all the opportunities, they're already out there. And sometimes leadership means uh, getting City Hall out of the way. Yeah, that's a that's a lot of voices to listen to, <laughs> for sure. How do you sort of get through that and decide? You know, I mean, you can't make everyone happy. Um, so how do you listen to that noise and all of those voices and then decide your direction from that, whether, you know, pleasing some and not others? Or, or what, what direction do you take from that listening? Well, I, I, th- I learned pretty quickly I can't be all things to all people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm seeking a strong mandate on three things. The first is around financial responsibility, getting our budget under control, making sure that we're spending our money on the right things. Secondly, around uh, safety and support for essential services. So I think this uh, whole uh, defund the police uh, agendas is a bit misguided, and I think that we need to strongly support our, our police service. Bearing in mind, we also need to fund things like uh, alternative call responses, mental health, uh, addiction, recovery, treatment, those preventative measures. And then lastly, around, uh, again, the transparency piece. I think that it's a black mark on our city that this council spends more time behind closed doors than practically every other major city in Canada. And it's gotten so bad that I might get in trouble for sharing this, but Council spends so much time in these closed-door meetings that in our own Chamber of Secrets, every uh, city councillor has their own uh, Lazy Boy recliner chair. So things like that, I think we we need to address the tone and and the tenor at the top really matters. We're going through a real tough uh, time right now, and I think that we Mm -hmm. have what it takes to be able to get the city back on track. But it's going to have to be three things. Again, financial responsibility, uh, support for essential services, as well as transparency. Mm-hmm. And, and this council that we have right now is also really divided. Um, so how does your prior experience and work on this council set you apart from other can- other candidates when it comes to building consensus and working as a team to get things done? I think I have a proven record of uh, speaking up, not just when it's convenient, but when it's challenging. And say, for example, my decision to turn down that 
Golden Pension. It was probably the most financially costly decision I've ever made, but it was also the most politically costly because it set me up against an establishment that in many ways has put its own interests ahead of those of everyday Calgarians. And I think I have a proven track record of being willing and eager to work with uh, other member of, members of council, even whom I may disagree with on some other issues. Say, for example, one of my strongest allies uh, through transparency for the arena deal for mm -hmm. the Olympic bid was Councillor Drew Farrell. Uh, I work closely with uh, Mayor Nenshi as an example to be able to restore the City of Calgary summer student hiring program. I think when you look at my record and, and the things that I've been able to achieve on council, it demonstrates a willingness to, to work with, together with anybody and everybody. But I think it is a good thing that uh, upwards of 10 uh, new council or 10 council members are departing. Mm -hmm. we, we have a lot of fresh faces we that do. are going to be around the table. And my hope is it's, again, in a direction that's fiscally conservative, socially progressive, uh, focusing on the, the need to have and making sure that we deliver on Calgary's potential as being what my father saw as a child, as a refugee, the best place on earth to be able to, to make a living and make a life. Yeah, so at what point, I guess, in your perspective, does that speaking up get in the way of getting things done? You know, because as mayor, you, you're one of the votes. Um, so, you know, reaching that potential, like you mentioned, how do we do that cohesively while also speaking up, even when it's challenging? Well, I think sometimes uh, getting something done doesn't necessarily mean it's the right thing. So, for example, because of this uh, defund, uh, Calgary is now the only major North American city without a downtown police station. And mm -hmm. it's, it's caused a lot of issues around vacancy, around crime. Uh, I believe in, in doing the right thing. So I think my record is one of support for things like uh, housing choice for the low-income transit pass. Uh, obviously, you have to pick your battles, but... I think council raising these taxes needlessly, uh, putting cuts to so social services while uh, increasing funding to things like uh, art projects like junk on the, the highway or <laughs> the jam blue ring. I think that they're, sometimes they're achieving the wrong things. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that we have enough uh, money to be able to, to get things done, but we need to focus again uh, on the things that really matter to Calgarians rather than, uh, say, uh, closed-door deals like the Olympics or the arena. Yeah, for sure. And those things that, that really matter to Calgarians, I guess, what have you worked on t in that agenda um, or your agenda as a city councillor with your colleagues that has been successful or in your mind has been an accomplishment for, for council collectively? So one of the things I'm proudest of, again, is that community action on mental health and addiction. There's a lot of issues that uh, we cannot police our way out of. So thinking preventatively, thinking about uh, upstream services, this is a way that we can reduce uh, our burden on the police. This is a way that uh, we can right-size their budget in the long term and keep them accountable. But it's also uh, it's such a multifaceted issue that we can't afford not to act, at least from a uh, financial perspective. And another issue I believe strongly in uh, myself as a director of our Calgary housing company is housing affordability. So these are just rough numbers, but say responding to homelessness in crisis mode uh, per individual, the, the cost is upwards of say fifty to $60,000 per person per year. Whereas adopting a housing first strategy, mm -hmm. uh, providing some of these preventative and proactive programs is only about twenty to 30000 So there's a lot of these social issues that I believe fiscal conservatives have a duty and a responsibility to take up. Not just because it's the right thing, but also because it makes uh, financial sense. Yeah, and those sound like really great initiatives, but what seems to make the headlines is this voting record of opposition of against things um, 
that your city councillors have put forward um, or things that go to council like the parental leave policy for councillors, vaccine passports, uh, the green line or the downtown revitalization strategy. And I know you said it yourself that you're more than just Dr. No. So what does this look like in your term as mayor to come from this opposition record um, of saying no and moving forward to work and to lead a council? Say, uh, just to, you mentioned parental leave. My, my concern around that was it was basically council voting to give itself more perks or a pay raise. So I was happy to support that, uh, given that it was given to an independent committee mm-hmm. to look at the compensation and the pay of the city councillors. I believe that it's a conflict of interest for us to be voting ourselves pay raises. Mm-hmm. So that was my concern around that piece, but I'm happy to support the, that parental leave policy, given that it did get the approval of uh, that independent commission. I think sometimes it's the media narrative. It's very simplistic. And very rarely do I get the opportunity, like I do now with you, Marley, to mm-hmm. actually go into the detail of these issues. Yeah. And they often they'll just be able to say, well, how people voted, but they'll not actually say with that, uh, right. say, uh, on our downtown plan that I brought up amendments uh, addressing safety around security, uh, access to services, things like that. Uh, the media is very, uh, I think, the very tapped for resources. And I think that that's... Actually, if I can give a plug, why the support for say, G- CJSW and other platforms is mm-hmm. just so vital mm-hmm. to be able to give some yeah. sometimes not just not the other side of the story, but the story if it's never being told. Mm-hmm. Well, I really appreciate you going into that detail and depth and giving us the background of some of those specific examples. It's really helpful, like you said, to sit down and to be able to go back because, yeah, we only see sort of the total numbers and the tally at the end. Um, But given that is what we see, it's what students are noticing um, and your current city councillors and the future city councillors are seeing, how do you think that will affect your potential term as mayor and your relationship with the new incoming councillors? I think uh, it's a great opportunity to be able to start fresh. Uh, something that I think that this mayor needs to do is to, to take a personal interest in those council members mm-hmm. that uh, are elected. I know that uh, sometimes my relationship with Mayor Nenshi was a bit frosty, but something that <laughs> I think, and I don't mean to criticize him uh, too much, but I think something the mayor needs to do is to take a personal interest. And it's a bit of a cliche, but they say that to be an effective mayor, you need to count to eight, eight being the votes that uh, are required right. to get something through. Uh, but previous mayors who were most successful, they could count to eight, but it was always a different eight. They were mm-hmm. willing and eager to give personal right. credit to their colleagues, other city councillors, and let them get buy-in. And that's something I think that we've not seen from this current city council. I think you have a few people who insist on being the face or the voice of things, and there's not the ability for other councillors to bring forward their ideas uh, forward for uh, fair ba- debate and uh, discussion. And I think uh, of those, say, five city councillors, whom I'm, uh, I currently work with that are running again for re-election, mm-hmm. they're likely to be re-elected. And if I'm elected mayor, that would be the core team I'd be working with. Uh, some of them have been my, some of my, my best friends and allies on, on, in my time on council, people like Councillor Sean Chu, Peter DeMong, Diane Collier-Kurt, and others. So I think we can hit the ground running with that core team, but also bring together quickly those, those new members of council. Yeah, and I... That's really interesting to have that insight and, you know, counting to eight and having that sort of be the threshold um, and going forward as mayor. In your experience as a city councillor, how many times has that happened to something that you've brought up where you've been able to get up to that eight? 
Oh, I think it happens all the time, but part of it's the media narrative. Uh, nobody would know that, say, I brought a motion just a couple months ago for strong endorsement for, say, the Missing Children's Society of Canada, uh, deploying their app on every city device as a means to be able to help make sure that uh, missing kids get home quicker, but mm-hmm. passed unanimously. Mm-hmm. Many other issues, local ward issues, pothole issues, have been very successful to be able to deliver for my residents. Again, things like the mental health strategy for my residents in the Beltline, things like uh, lo- the low income transit pass uh, for, uh, say, the marginalized populations that live in my communities, uh, things around flood mitigation, protecting the city's downtown. So again, the, the media narrative is not so, it's very simplistic, mm. but the reality is that uh, council can and does come together every single day to be able to get uh, some really meaningful and valuable work done. That's great to hear, yeah, and thanks for, for sharing that. It's good to have that background insight and the things that yeah don't get discussed one of the things that i did also want to ask you about was the guidebook for greater communities most people you know support the central intent of the guidebook to balance future growth in both the developed and the developing areas of the city i guess support the guidebook and you know why or why not and what do you think the sort of path is for it going forward in your potential term as mayor so I don't support the guidebook in its current form, but I believe okay. strongly in housing affordability mm-hmm. and housing choice. I think in every community there should be uh, relative diversity of uh, types of housing. And I think, say, if you're a young urban professional, you want to live in a downtown setting in a high-rise, you should have that opportunity for yourself. But say if you're a younger family just starting out, you should have that opportunity of, say, a single-family home. And I see a real economic need to preserving that choice. Say, for example, if we're going to go on the road selling Calgary as a destination for talent, for investment, I think one of the things that separates us from, say, Toronto, from Vancouver and Montreal Mm -hmm. is that affordable single-family housing for, say, early 30s to be able to get their their family off uh, off the ground. So I believe strongly in housing choice, but this guidebook, I believe, is one that uh, tilts the scales too much in, in one direction, and it sort of forces, in my view, a one-size-fits-all solution for how everybody should live their life. So going forward, how do we still you know, do the things that you're talking about um, and make sure there is affordable housing and diverse housing in different neighborhoods without the guidance of the guidebook or with a different version or um, like modification of the guidebook? So what I'm advocating for is uh, certainty, stability. Um, I want to make sure that both businesses, developers, as well as residents in the community have that certainty. Change is coming to every neighborhood, whether you like it or not. So it's a matter of how do you give the community the buy-in so that when change happens, where it happens, that it's in a place that makes sense for the neighborhood, as well as gives the community buy-in and a hand in it. So I strongly believe in in going back to the community to actually genuinely consult and to adopt uh, more meaningful area plans where you can get together the the most committed volunteers, the experts in a room together and actually say, okay, these are the strategic areas for investment. This is where the development's going to happen so that once uh, somebody buys into, say, a a neighborhood, they have some certainty and understanding of where the change is coming and what it's going to look like. Right now, though, say, implementing a guidebook that, in my view, the would uh, not protect single-family neighborhoods give, doesn't give certainty, say, to the family who, who saves up to be able to buy a single-family home. 
and then may have, say, a multifamily complex come up uh, immediately next door, mm-hmm. causing all sorts of other issues, strain on infrastructure, lack of sunlight, that sort of thing. Right. And I mean, some of the other changes that students are looking for, not just in their neighborhoods, but of course, in downtown. And I know we talked a little bit about the downtown revitalization strategy, but you know, we know it's a bit of a ghost town and students are looking for opportunities in life. Um, what will you do to revitalize it specifically and, you know, without or with the downtown revitalization strategy, how does that go moving forward in your potential term as mayor? There's a lot of exciting potential for our downtown. I think one of the biggest issues, though, is safety and security. As being uh, one of the only major cities without a downtown police station, that station was closed around the same time as the uh, supervised consumption services opened, causing a lot of issues and uh, stress for local businesses and residents. I'd like to be able to see uh, more visible police presence. Again, that doesn't, I want to repeat that not all problems can be policed our way out of. So again, the need for more preventative, proactive measures, support for uh, measures like the DOPE team, uh, that's really vital. Another piece is just general vibrancy. It's very difficult to, to be able to host events, festivals, uh, say book parks for uh, makers markets, bands, that sort of thing. I think the city has to have a lot more flexibility in terms of its approvals. Another issue is around affordability. We need to make sure that uh, we're adopting a four-year budget. I'm advocating for a four-year property tax freeze to be able to give uh, those residents and businesses in the downtown the certainty that they need to be able to project out their costs to know that it's not going to be City Hall that's driving them out of their home or or their business. And then another piece is around just uh, general support for educational institutions. I think that there needs to be a more multitude of uses in the downtown. I've strongly supported uh, the City of Calgary uh, partnering with our post-secondary institutions and I believe strongly in leadership by example. So I've personally given my time as a mentor to students here at the U of C, at MRU and others. And then lastly, I think a big piece is flood mitigation. Mm-hmm. There's still a, a few missing pieces. When I ask a lot of international companies, well, what do you think of Calgary and why do you want, why do you not want to invest in our downtown? Many will say, well, they think of oil or they think of a, a cowboy on a horse. But many will think of the international newspapers, the front page showing our downtown underwater. So until we can secure mm-hmm. our downtown for flood mitigation, I, I don't think that there's going to be the, the needed investment to be able to get that done. Mm-hmm. You mentioned policing a couple of times, and I want to pick up on that because it's something that I know is, is something that you're strong on in your stance. And I saw it when I was reading up on your website before, uh, before this morning. And it's also something that students are following really closely um, because there's been lots of issues and sort of this growing movement around what the police are there for and what sort of changes need to be made specifically in Calgary to make sure they're keeping us safe, um, but also, you know, just avoiding what we've seen. So I guess what do you see missing or needed to change going forward or to stay the same for the Calgary Police Force? So I strongly uh, support our police service. I, I think that uh, our essential services, our police, our firefighters, the, the, these are the people who run into a burning building when most people run out of it. Mm-hmm. And I believe that they deserve our support. But that said, I don't believe in giving a blank check to any city department. I think mm-hmm. that they need to be accountable for the funds that they spend. And I've advocated in my time for things like, say, the body-worn camera program, right. a, a way to be able to keep our police uh, safe. Uh, to be able to keep them accountable, to protect our public as well. And also strongly in support of various uh, diversity measures, uh, strongly support partnerships uh, with, say, our Indigenous uh, neighbours. I believe that we need to be proactive on these issues, but I don't agree with 
in a single year massive and drastic uh, reallocations or cuts to the police service mm-hmm. to be able to fund these programs. Mm-hmm. I think the program should be funded, but it should be funded up front. And then when the demand and the burden on the police is reduced, then we can right-size the police budget. But uh, this, this sort of current approach to defund or abolish the police, I think it's kind of like scrapping an airplane in mid-flight for parts. Uh, it sounds good, but uh, the plane's only going to crash. You've got to make sure that you can uh, solve for the landing. Right. And I clearly have a direction and sort of a vision going forward as to what needs to happen or at least some ideas. Um, And I know students also have a lot of ideas and and other community members as well. But as, you know, a current city councillor and potential mayor, what will you do to listen to those voices specifically and take the time to engage with students? Also, for for me, uh, I, I believe that I had mentioned this to your group. I committed to, a, say, a monthly meeting with uh, students, uh, groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, anytime you want to meet with me, I'm happy to uh, get on the phone or have a Zoom call. I'm committed to a monthly town hall meeting okay. where any member of the public can come and speak to me on, on any issues. And I think I, I do have a proven record of actually falling through on... Uh, the things that I say I'll do, championing things like the low-income transit pass, uh, making it easier for students to be able to find employment through through uh, work with the summer student hiring program, things like that. But again, for me, I'm never the smartest person in the room. I'm here to listen. I'm here to learn. And sometimes leadership uh, means actually getting out of the way, enabling those uh, incredible leaders, champions, volunteers who are already out in the community, already having the solutions. And sometimes they just need the support to, to be able to execute. Yeah, and I think students will be really happy to hear that. Oftentimes, students and, and young people in general are the last to be invited to the table and to be talked to about issues that matter to students, but also to everyone. Um, and it's a it's a really challenging time to be a student. You know, the provincial government has cut post-secondary budget, and the negative impact of that falls on students, both financially and academically. So for students specifically, and, you know, those who are listening, what will you do to keep the young and talented and educated students in our city? I think we need to control our budget. Uh, We need to get Calgary back on top where we belong as far as being the destination of choice for for new investment, uh, new businesses to start up. I'm thinking uh, just of a personal uh, anecdote. When I was, it was back in 2015, every year there's what's called the City of Calgary Hackathon. And it's a competition of uh, mostly young people, up-and-comers, software engineers, programmers. They're trapped in a room for a weekend. They're, they're given a real tough problem to solve. And whoever comes up with the best idea, an app that they've invented or business mm-hmm. that they've started, is uh, given a big cash prize and the blessing to go <laughs> on to, to save the world. And for me in 2015, I joined this uh, as a 20-something, met up with a team of about seven or eight other people. Uh, we came up with a real great idea that we thought would have been able to make us some money, offer something of value to others, mm-hmm. and uh, give us some, give us a job. And by the end of 2015, or rather by the end of that weekend, we had actually won first place. So somewhere oh. in the basement of City Hall, there's this uh, photo of me holding this giant size check, uh, grinning ear to ear with a photo op with Marinenci. But the problem was that uh, we didn't get the support from uh, the city establishment to be able to get our idea off the ground, despite the Mm. fact that uh, it was possible in places like Vancouver and Edmonton, uh, Montreal, and elsewhere. And many of my teammates had actually left Calgary for these other places. So we have this story that we tell ourselves, uh, Calgary being entrepreneurial, open for business, can-do attitude. And to be clear... Calgary is all of those things, and Calgarians especially are all of those things. But for me, when I was in that situation and I needed City Hall to be that, it wasn't. Mm -hmm. So that was the reason that I chose personally to run for city councillor. And that, combined with my family experience fleeing an oppressive regime, uh, 
I want to pay that forward to make sure mm-hmm. that every Calgarian has those doors open to them and nobody has the authority to tell them no if they want to be able to offer something of value to others. Yeah, and we're definitely hearing similar stories, like way too much of students who are leaving or going elsewhere to finish their studies or to you know just not continue their studies at all because it's not affordable here. So I guess, you know, what specifically does that look like to support students in the city, but also in their education and staying in our Calgary institutions? And, you know, how do the arts and culture of the city play a role in that? Well, you know, I'll be blunt with you. It took me 10 years to finish my undergrad. Mm -hmm. I had to work full time. I Mm -hmm. had to take student loans. So I personally have been in that situation recently. And I think that we have too many politicians who kind of pander on these issues and they don't understand what it's like to be in a cram secondary suite with others and not having the choice and the opportunity for housing. So for me, I strongly believe in advocating for that, for that student voice. Uh, these are the people who are going to be inheriting the financial decisions yeah. that City Hall makes. And every step of the way, I've advocated for access to services, things like maintaining the low-income transit pass and so on. These services that... Uh, everyday families, seniors, students uh, rely on. As far as the creative industries, I see it as such an incredible growth potential. It relies uh, largely on the provincial government, though, to to be able to maintain those tax credits to keep us uh, competitive for film and television. But we have such incredible opportunity there to be able to, I'm not going to say pivot, but lean in on that. And Mm -hmm. we see a lot of confidence in in Calgary and Alberta, say with uh, HBO's Last of Us uh, being filmed here locally. That's one of the biggest productions in in our country's history. And it's right here in Calgary. So how do we better tell that story? And more broadly, uh, I think our vision for the city needs to be the destination of choice mm-hmm. for the world's smartest people to world, solve the world's toughest problems. And we've proven that we do that every single day in oil and gas. Mm-hmm. I think that we're going to be able to do that in energy and technology. We're not going to be able to be, again, everything to everyone. We're not going to be able to out New York, New York, or out (laughs) Amsterdam, Amsterdam. But we have so much good that's going on here in the city. And part of the mayor's job, frankly, is is to be three things. It's uh, quarterback, it's coach, but most of all, cheerleader. Reminding Mm -hmm. Calgarians about why they chose to live here in the first place, but also going on the hunt, going on the road and selling Calgary as being, again, that destination of choice. Right. I really appreciate that perspective that you have, I think. A lot of students are in the position that you were. Um, And so it's great to see that represented. I've taken up a lot of your time, Jeremy, so I really appreciate you being here. But, you know, for for one last sort of comment, it's it's a very busy race. Um, There's a lot of candidates and a lot of noise. Um, So what would you say to students and to listeners that makes you stand out as a candidate? I think the selection is about change versus more of the same. You know, we may not agree on all of the issues, but what I've proven is that I'm accessible, I'm available, I'm willing to change my mind when better evidence is brought to me. And for me, I have a proven record of following through, not just, say, some other candidates, they they ran on a platform of reform, but the moment they were elected, they signed up for that golden pension, just like everybody else. So for me, I've actually followed through, not just when it's been easy to do, but when it's been tough to do. And I think we're going to need a leadership that can stick to their guns to actually focus on these issues and execute on their promises. So I'm very uh, pleased in in a few days here, we're going to be releasing our 10-point blueprint for change. There's more details on that on our website, uh, www.jeromy.ca. It's some really exciting stuff, and I I know that it's going to be able to capture the the attention and the imagination of Calgarians. Mm -hmm. But again, I'd maybe just close off on saying this has been the privilege of my life to be able to serve as a city councillor. When I think about my nagmama, my grandmother, when she first... uh, (laughs) 
arrived to Canada, she she would never have thought that uh, <laughs> that uh, I would be where I am now. And it's right. just thanks to the constituents who elected me the first time and very appreciative of the, the incredible volunteers, the team that we've been able to assemble. I'm running on a man, for a mandate for real change. And if Calgarians uh, trust in me, I will not uh, fail to deliver. Thank you, Jeremy, for being here and for going into all that and sharing everything with us. It's been great to hear more about your platform and your experience as a city councillor. Um, if you want to listen to that again, the episode, uh, my interview with Mayoral candidate Jeremy Farkas will be available on cgsw.com right after this. And if you want to hear more, um, we have a mayoral forum. The Students' Union is hosting a mayoral forum this afternoon at 4 p.m. So you can hear from Jeremy and s- several of the other mayoral candidates then. The full forum will be live streamed on the SU um, website. So you can tune in then uh, to hear more. And definitely recommend tuning in next week on the SU CJSW Advocacy Show. I have U Calgary's very own Professor Trevor Toome joining me to discuss equalization and that referendum that is coming up. So it'll be a very timely topic and something to definitely tune into and listen to. Right after him, I will have the Chief Returning Officer of Elections Calgary, Kate Martin, joining me to discuss all of the voting opportunities and the changes and how voting this year will still be a safe um, experience. So definitely tune into that next Next week, Thursday at 11 a.m., I will be here. Jeremy, thank you so, so much for joining me. I really appreciate you having me on this morning. Yeah, thanks so much for the chance. The last time I was here, I was in the basement. The, the, <laughs> the digs are really nice. <laughs> yeah, it looks a little bit different. Things have changed and grown, but uh, glad to have you back. Great, thank you.
Mama always told me, don't you run, don't you run, my sister's son, you're gonna hurt someone. Mama told me, look before you leap, always think before you speak, and watch the friend you keep. Stay along the beaten path, never listened when she said, sharp edges have consequences, I Welcome back. It is Marley again, your VP External here at the University of Calgary Students Union. If you missed it, I just had mayoral candidate Jeremy Farkas on for an interview. That episode is available on cgsw.com right after this to go back and to listen to, as well as all the other episodes I've done with mayoral candidates. Um, and it's been a mayoral kind of day because we also have the mayoral forum that the Students Union is hosting coming up here at 4 p.m. It's been a busy time trying to plan this while the federal election was happening and all of our other advocacy as well. Um, and thankfully, I have Mike here with me to talk a little bit about it um, because we're really excited. We have nine mayoral candidates joining us here on campus and the event will be live streamed. Mike, what are some highlights that we're going to listen to and hear about tonight? Well, you know, it's really exciting. We've got, as you said, nine mayoral candidates on um, for two hours. Mm -hmm. uh, it'll be live streamed on the SU website and the SU YouTube page. So youtube.com slash SU U of C. It'll all be there uh, and it'll be available to watch afterwards as well. 
Um, and we're going to ask the candidates some tough questions yeah. about student issues, but also issues that are important to all Calgarians. So uh, I'm really looking forward to that. I wish we could have had an audience, but uh, yes. just with, with all the COVID cases, it'll be um, all the candidates will be in the room, but there won't be a, a live audience, unfortunately. So. Uh, that's too bad, but um, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, and some students and listeners might remember that four years ago we hosted the same event uh, with the Graduate Students Association and the University of Calgary together. This year it is just us, the Students' Union, hosting it. We wanted to put this on um, even through the chaos. We feel it is so important for students, faculty, staff, and the community to hear from these candidates from the UC campus on issues that Mike said matter to students, but also matter to everyone. So we've got yeah a great lineup of questions, and I'm very excited to have to see the opportunity with the candidates, not to just hear them themselves, but to interact with their competitors will also be interesting to see. Yeah, that dynamic will be interesting to see. I mean, I I think there have been other forums where the candidates have been there in person, Mm -hmm. but a lot of them have been online or on Zoom or something like that. So it'll really be great to see that banter back and forth. And and we're lucky enough to have a great moderator. Uh, Rob Brown from CBC Calgary, he anchors the 6 o'clock news, will be our moderator tonight. Um, And he's fantastic. So I think it's going to be a really good event. Yeah, I'm super excited that Rob is here with us so that uh, we have that moderator. And like you said, having the candidates in person on a stage like that is just seeing how they interact and answer the questions and and work with everything. So it's definitely exciting. Um, If you can't tune in at four, don't worry, because the video will be saved to our website and like Mike mentioned on our YouTube page. So you can refer back to it or go watch it anytime at your convenience. Um, But that will be there for you to enjoy and to take advantage of. Of. But if you know you take away anything from this conversation or from the forum, it's to you know plan and prepare to vote. It's coming up really quickly. I think it was like four weeks until election day, mm-hmm. um, but even less until the advanced period. So um, take the time to get to know your candidates through forums, interviews, read up on their platforms and their websites, and make a plan to come and vote. We do have voting stations here on campus on October fourth and fifth which we're very excited about. If you're a student here at the University of Calgary and you live in a different ward, that's okay. You can still come and vote here, which is great because I know we spend most of our time here anyways. Um, Mike, anything I'm missing or anything else to share with the listeners? I I think, um, you know, maybe I'll tease this a little bit. Uh, We really want to get students out to vote. So we're, we're asking students to pledge to vote and you can enter to win some great prizes if you pledge to vote. We don't care who you vote for. Just go out and cast your ballot. And I will say for those advanced vote days, October 4th and 5th, we've got some fun events planned. (laughs) I won't say what just yet, but uh, we're very much looking forward to that. So stay tuned. You're definitely going to want to stay tuned for that. I am so excited. Um, And if you're on campus today or coming to campus today, we have a Get Out the Vote booth with lots of free swag to give away. Um, So come visit us, pledge to vote, enter to win in those prizes and hear about some of the exciting events we have coming up love to have a chance to speak with you um, get to know a little bit about your voting plans and how the students union can support you in that but otherwise I think I'll leave it there Mike <laughs> I think that's everything yeah really exciting four weeks to to vote so yep. start looking into your candidates that you uh, you want to get out and vote for yeah it's about time we're so excited this last song is a very special request so um, enjoy
Muy bien, voy a preguntar Por ti, por ti, por aquel Por ti que quedaste solo Y el que murió sin saber Muy bien, voy a preguntar Por ti, por ti, por aquel Por ti que quedaste solo Y el que murió sin saber Que murió sin saber Murió sin saber por qué Le acribillaban el pecho Luchando por el derecho De un suelo para vivir Hay que ser más infeliz El quemando disparar Sabiendo cómo evitar Una matanza tan vil Puerto Mono, Puerto Montt Puerto Mono, Puerto Montt Puerto Mono, Puerto Montt Puerto Mono, Puerto Montt Usted debe responder Señor Pérez Sukovic, porque al pueblo indefenso contestaron con fusil. Señor Pérez, su conciencia la enterró en un ataúd y no limpiarán sus manos toda la lluvia del sur, toda la lluvia del sur. Murió sin saber por qué, le acribillaban el pecho, luchando por el derecho y un suelo para vivir. Hay que ser más infeliz, el que mandó disparar, sabiendo cómo evitar una matanza tan vil. Puerto Mono, Puerto Montt, Puerto Mono, Puerto Montt, Puerto Mono, Puerto Montt. You say that I... Oh, Reginald, look, crawling through the grass. It's a baby radio. Oh, it's so precious. Preposterous, Martha. A baby radio? No, no, woman, don't... Don't pick it up. It could be dangerous. Oh, Reginald, don't be such a drama queen. Listen, it's already tuned in to the most important station in Calgary. CJSW 90.9 FM. Martha, you know perfectly well I don't like new things. Oh, Reginald, you silly man. Of course you do. And CJSW is all about new things, especially in music. CJSW. New. Things. One, two, three, four. I'm 
Well, I said, I've been born. 